thank you to everyone who is uh, listening to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Edgar Hernandez. He is a police officer right now. He's serving as a, a cop. And we're going to hear a story of adversities and how he came to be where he's at right now. And, you know, hopefully he can give us some life advice as well. So thank you so much, Edgar, for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you. So we're going to get started. Uh, can you please tell us a little bit of your upbringing? Yeah, um, I grew up in Alton. I was just, you know, an average kid, you know, they like sports. I came from a poor, I would say a low income family. Um, my family didn't have a lot of money. So um, I didn't have a lot of things that kids now have, you know, like video games and stuff like for entertainment. So the only thing I had was just play sports. Like I've always been grew athletic after school I will go and hang out with my friends at the park we'll play basketball football whatever um you know sports so pretty much that's that's what I did through all my childhood years you know it was just an average boy you know from the valley from all 10 I was quiet I was <laughs> I mean I was shy I was known to be a like, like quiet kid I was just yeah. a random average kid so so your childhood was normal childhood. You say low-income family, something that a lot of us share here in the Valley, right? We share of, uh, and a lot of people see that as a disadvantage, but I think we had a happy childhood. It sounds like it was a happy childhood. It's like normal. Yeah. Yes, we didn't know what we didn't know what we didn't know, right? You didn't know, you, I see, to me, I didn't know we were poor. I didn't know we were poor until like later you realize, okay, we don't have a vehicle. Everybody else had a vehicle, but it's not until you grow up, it says, oh, I guess we were poor. But at that point, you know, we were happy, just like you said, the park, playing with the friends. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's basically, you know, um, at school, I, I played sports. Like, I was just a normal kid. Well, tell <laughs> us, know? tell us about high school. You graduate and then what happens after high school? Um, in high school, well, in my senior year, I decided, you know, right before my senior year, I decided to join the Army. The, the reason I wanted to join the Army because... Uh, I just wanted to get out of the valley, you know, I, I wanted to go, you know, see other places, I, I wanted the adventure, I wanted to travel, I, I, I didn't think at that moment that there was much things for me to do here in the valley, so I just wanted to get out of the valley, um, so I did, I joined the army, the way I thought about it, you know, I, I travel a lot through all my, my army years, and and I really liked it, you know. I was having a lot of fun. <laughs> cool, cool. So, so for those listening, the Valley, uh, um, Edgar mentioned Alton, that he grew up in Alton. We're, again, for those, I know there's actually people listening all around the world, but uh, we're in the real tip down here in Texas, Rio Grande Valley, and we're right on the verge of the you know, border with Mexico. So he wanted to leave and have an adventure. So what happened? So how, how old are you all this time that you're in, in the Army, and how long were you there? I joined uh, at 18, um, right after high school. Um, I served in the Army seven years and six months. So when I got out, I was 26. Um, everything was, it was fine. Everything was fun and adventurous until the 9-11. When the terrorist attack happened, that's when everything just changed. My mindset change because originally I, I wanted just to serve and get out you know and, and just for the adventure college money 
but after 9-11 like everything changed like my my mentality changed I felt more you like you uh, backtrack and like the, that day of like where were you just kind of because I mean we're listening but take us to that day even the day prior maybe and then 9-11 happens in that yeah I was in the army for a year and a half about a year and a half because this happened around well this happened 2001 I had joined the army in 2000 so I had a year and a half in the army it was just you know regular uh every day uh, like morning for us like we would do PT every morning where, where are you where are you right station like where are you I, when this happened I was stationed in Fort Bliss Texas or El Paso okay. Texas okay uh, and um that day that morning we had just finished doing physical training and i had gone to go eat breakfast at the cafeteria what we call defect and i came back i you know had taken a shower i was getting ready to go for the my duty formation we had formation at nine every every day um so i was putting on my uniform when i was watching the news live i, I think i was watching cnn I was watching the uh, news live, and they had mentioned that there was a, a building on fire, that, they, that a plane had crashed into one of the buildings. So this whole time I was watching it live while I was uh, getting ready to, to go to my nine o'clock formation. And then I saw the second plane hit the, the second tower. Wow. And I remember exactly like, oh my God, I was like, I was in a state of shock because it was just, it was not a coincidence at that point. It, you know, it was, it was not an accidental. You could see it. It was obvious not. It was not an accident. It, 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 it was deliberately by, by, done by someone. And I remember the reporter, her voice, like, kind of like, she, you know, she also looked like she was in shock and she was trying to fix her voice, you know, like compose herself. I, I was just in a state of shock and... So um, I still remember, I still remember the feeling, still remember the, the shock I felt that, that day, that moment. Um, um, I think we also remember, I remember exactly the day also. I was uh, waiting for an exam in college. I was just waiting, I don't know, I think my, I don't even remember, but I had some time I got there early and we were going to study for an exam and we're watching TV. I mean, the t I wasn't watching TV, but the TV was on and that's what's happening exactly. They were showing everything live and it was, it was weird, right? It was a weird, super weird feeling when you, the second plane hits and it's just, okay, this is not an accident. Wow. So then what happened? I had to leave, right? I left my, my barracks. I went to the, to the nine o'clock formation. And I remember telling my friends that, Hey, we're, they, they, there's a terrorist attack because they had mentioned it was a terrorist attack. There's a terrorist attack in New York that the two airplanes collided with the, with the towers and a lot of my friends didn't believe me or they listened to me, they, they heard me, but they just kind of like, uh, they didn't think of it much. Not until that third plane hit the Pentagon. And by that time, there was more soldiers that came into the office and they were saying, oh, the Pentagon just got hit by an airplane and we're under attack we're by terrorists. So that's when everybody started to realize, oh my God, this is serious. That's when everybody was like, oh my God, like what's going on, you know? And I remember that half of my company were at the range, at the shooting range, like outside the base. It was just some of us that stayed behind on, on base. Later that morning, the captain came in and, and they said, oh, we got a, a battalion formation. 
usually when we have a talent formation, it's, it's either like we got some majors, you know, major going on, like a major training or whatever. So we had a battalion formation, but it wasn't like, it, like not everybody was there. Cause like I said, every, uh, most of, of the soldiers were at the range. It was a Lieutenant Colonel that gave us a speech saying, oh, okay, you know, we're under attack that, you know, we did, you know, we, and I remember they locked the base. Like nobody could get out of the base or nobody couldn't get inside the base. So luckily for me, I lived inside the base. I lived in, bar in the barracks. They could not even get out of the range to come back to base. So the families that were inside or the people, civilians that were inside, they couldn't get home. They, they couldn't drive off base to go home. And the people that were outside, they couldn't come back in. It was, it was a, like chaos, you know? Wow. Mm -hmm. um, people were in panic mode, like it, it was crazy. Yeah. But uh, for, for us soldiers who we were upset, you know, we were angry <clears throat> because we knew that, that we were under attack by, by, by the enemy, by terrorists, but we just didn't know who. And uh, there was a lot of people talking about themselves, like, hey, you know what? I, I wanna know who it is. You know, I, I, I wanna, like, they were already talking about going to war, whoever was responsible, that we're gonna take revenge, this and that. And yeah, it was, that day was, I'll never forget that day. Wow. You know, there was I think a, it, everybody has that. Um, still remembers like it was yesterday but for you that you're actually in the army and all those people probably have a more vivid i guess feeling uh of what's going on share a bit to keep going on the story how you end up going over there you know days passed you know after september 11 and um we we, we didn't get deployed you know we knew that there was going to be soldiers getting deployed soon but we continue our training but from now on, all the training was, you could tell the environment, you can tell the feeling that, you know what, this is more serious. Like I personally took training more serious. I, I, I knew it back in the back of my mind that, that from now on, you know, it was just a matter of time, you know, then we, that we were gonna get deployed. Everybody's state of mind was different. You know, we took training more serious. The training was even harder. It was more intense. We were going to training more often throughout the year. And uh, so nothing happened for us. Nothing happened in 2001, 2002. Everything was, uh, it was, it was doing smooth. Everything was going smooth until late 2002. I think it was after October. Uh, that's when a lot of units in my battalion started getting deployed to, to Kuwait. And uh, I'm like, oh my God, people are getting deployed already from my battalion, you know? So, uh, but then the war was Iraq, you know, that's what they kept mentioning, Iraq, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, at first I was like, okay, I, you know, because what the media say was like, oh, Iraq has Saddam Hussein was, you know, they were protecting Osama bin Laden, they, you know, they were aiding terrorists, that, so. But I really, I didn't really pay attention to politics. So um, they, they just kept mentioning Iraq. So by November, we finally got the orders to deploy to Kuwait. By December, we shipped everything out. All the equipment, we shipped everything out. We went through the processing of, 
you know, deployment, filling out records and stuff like that. So like, okay, yeah, we, you know, it was, this is definitely it. We, we're going to Kuwait. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you there. So how old are you here? I was, I was 21. So you're 21. Okay. 21 in 2002. Okay. And then you got your parents back home and you're, tell us a bit on that. You know, how did, oh, your family, how did that affect you at that point when they're telling you you're going? Um, I didn't tell my mom actually till the last, till the day I did, till the last day. I didn't want to worry my mom because we knew in advance, several months in advance, that we were going to get deployed by February. We had a date. Okay. It was February 14 on Valentine's Day, 2003. Okay. You were keeping it from your mom. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I kept it a secret. I didn't want to tell my mom till uh, I went on December 2001. We all took vacations. At that time, I knew there was going to be my last vacation that I was going to take. So I came home uh, for Christmas holidays, 2002, and I, I, I just acted normal in front of my parents. You know, I didn't never, never mention to them that, that I was going to get deployed in February so, because I didn't want to worry them. So then they, didn't need, they didn't know about it until uh, I, I finally called my mom and I told them that I was going to get deployed in a few days. And, and that's how they learned that I was going to go to Kuwait. Wow. So, yeah. So come back to the story where I interrupted. I'm sorry. So come back. So you're, it's the day off and you're leaving. Yes. It was a day off, uh, deployment day. Um, I was excited because I was going to get out of the country. I was excited. You know, I was going to see something new. I never, I had never been to Kuwait, but I, I had heard stories from old, like my other friends that, that had been to Kuwait before. And so I kind of felt prepared. You know, I knew what to expect. You know, the heat, the desert, the sand, you know, those extreme conditions. Um, so I remember that day, uh, well, the morning of Valentine's Day, uh, I remember that my platoon decided, you know what, let's shave our heads. You know, let's just shave it all, you know, cut our heads. I mean, the, the hair. And like, yeah, let's do it. So we, I remember we, sh my whole platoon shared our heads that day. And, um, and we went through, we went through like little stations. We went to the gym, all the families gathered to say goodbye. My families were not there. I mean, obviously they were in the Valley. Um, so it was easier for me, you know, it was easier for me because I didn't, I didn't get to see anybody of my relatives. But I saw everyone hugging their wives, their kids, you know, and that day that we left. From there, we went to the airport, and then that's it. We, we flew from Fort Bliss. We flew out from Fort Bliss. And uh, now that I think about it, it's kind of sad because I sat down with my friend that the whole airplane in, in, the, in the ride. I sat down with my friend who also didn't want to invite his parents he was from El Paso, but he he told his parents, "Don't please don't go don't go to the airport. Like I don't want to see you there. Just I'm gonna you know." He said bye to his parents from his house. So I sat down with my friend in the airplane, and we were both excited. We were both taking photos on the airplane, and I remember when the airplane took off, it was it was dark. It was already dark. The airplane took off, and I remember looking through the window. It was actually me, and my friend. We looked through the window, 
but the things that went through my mind is like, oh my God, like, is this, is this the last time I'm going to see El Paso? Like, is this, you know, yeah. like yeah. a lot of things went through my mind. Like that's when the reality started sinking in. Like, what if this is the last time that I'm going to be here? You know, mm-hmm. what if I, if I, what if I don't come back? Like, I don't know. It's just, a lot, I guess I'm, I'm sure everybody went through the same thing. Everybody was thinking the same way. You know, everybody had the same feeling like, oh, my God, like it was the reality sinking in and people question themselves. OK, is, am I going to come back? Like, is this going to be the last and time? Then, and then you're 21. So that's like so young. Wow. Yeah. So you, you arrive. Yeah. So uh, from there, we uh, we flew to Germany from the States. We flew to Germany. It took about a whole day just to get to Kuwait. So we flew to Germany. From Germany, it, I remember it was so cold. It was uh, February, it was still snowing. I could see outside the airport, it was snowing. And then from Germany, we went. We landed in Kuwait. And it was a big difference from Germany to Kuwait. Kuwait, we landed in Kuwait. It was during the day, it was really, really hot. It was nothing but desert. It was more than 100 degrees about 120 some degrees hotter hot. than here. yeah it's definitely hotter than here and uh we landed we took buses to the camps um it was uh we went to the reception camp and then from there uh there was a another officer i think it was a, a general or colonel you know, he received the whole battalion, he gave us a whole speech. From there, we took buses to Camp Virginia, where that's that's where we were stationed at Camp Virginia, which is just a few miles from the Iraqi border. And it's nothing but desert. It's like in the middle of desert and the camp, we didn't have buildings back then. It was just nothing but tents. It was just like hundreds of tents inside the, the camp. And I was like, okay, we, I'm gonna be here for the next, I don't know how long, but this is gonna be where I'm gonna be living from, from now and what on. Did they, what did they tell you? You're gonna, you didn't know, they didn't give you a date of coming back. They just told you know what, you're gonna, we're gonna go and until further notice? Yeah, until further notice. We didn't know if there was gonna be a war. I knew there was gonna be a war, but we didn't know when. So they had, there was soldiers there from other units that had been there six months, close to a year, just waiting and waiting. And after a few months, well, after like the first month or second month, I was like, oh man, I don't want to wait that long just to go to war. You know, if there was going to be a war with Iraq, let's just do it so I can get it over with. That was, I think that's what everybody mentality was. Like everybody started, began, you know, they started getting homesick. Everybody missed their, their family. So at that moment, I was like, you know what, let's just go to war and let's just get it over with because I, I want to go back home. You know, and um, but luckily for us, the the order came in. Uh, I think it was March 21, 20 or twenty one. That's when uh, the orders came to to so about attack. A month. About a month. Yeah. So luckily, what happened? For us, it was lucky. It was like okay, but uh, you know, it was, it came sooner than I expected. <clears throat> so. Um, we were listening, we were keeping up with the news uh, through the radio. Some we we had radios. Some of us had radios uh, in the tents, so we were keeping up with the news. 
and uh, we learned about the shock and awe, you know, when the U U.S. Air Force were bombing Iraq, uh, Iraq Baghdad. But I knew it because I could see it. We, I would, uh, I would pull guards uh, at night sometimes, and I could see the airplanes, you know, taking off from the near base. And I remember that day of the shock and awe. I remember hearing airplanes, you know, all night long. So I knew it was something going on. So the next morning, uh, we woke up. The next morning, they told us, "Okay, gather around. You know, get all the, all your stuff, all your gear. Let's 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 get all the trucks ready." Um, because I was in a maintenance company, but I was with the but my battalion was air defense artillery. So uh, they they told us, "Okay, the infantry is gonna go in first. You know, all the armor vehicles they they're gonna go in first, and us support battalions we're gonna go in." after so just you know just follow the instruction just you know we're gonna form up convoys and that was the mission just go drive follow a convoy you know let let the infantry do everything we're gonna go in you know afterwards everything's gonna be done you know in case that because my battalion was their defense in case there's um enemy airplanes or enemy missiles, my battalion was gonna do their job, shoot down airplanes, shoot down missiles, enemy missiles and all that stuff. So we formed up, um, we got our stuff ready. Then we took off from the base into Iraq and uh, we crossed the berm, which is on the border of Iraq and Kuwait is a big berm. Like, uh, it's like a big top berm of sand. So they, uh, the engineers, they made a big hole on the berm, and that's where we that's where we we drove our vehicles through. So when we were uh, once I crossed that berm, I'm like, oh my god, now I'm in Iraq, <laughs> you know. So at that moment, my 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 body was in adrenaline mode, you know. The whole time I was alert, you know. I, I was adrenaline pumping, you know, all the time. Um, so the first, I think I would say a day and a half, we drove in the middle of the desert. Uh, so there was one night where it was really, really bad. You know, all the units got mixed up. Like, like I'm gonna tell you, it was just, not just for uh, Camp Virginia, but all the camps from around us. Like we form up big convoys. It was like about thousands and thousands of vehicles crossing the border at the same time at night, you know, in-, in But in all the these are, the, all the, oh, they're yours, like US units. Yes. Yeah, there were uh, well, I, I, there was Marines uh, and Army and British. Some some I saw British soldiers. We we couldn't we couldn't stop. They they told us don't stop, just continue. We got you know the only the only chance to rest was when we would stop to put gas in our vehicles. That was the only time that we could take a little nap, eat our MREs. And that was it. The whole time we kept driving because we had to be close to the infantry. So there was a moment where, like, there was a time where, like, we got we finally got to the nearest uh, towns in Iraq, and uh, my unit got separated. My unit got separated from the rest of the battalion, and um, the company commander uh, he decided, you know what, I'm not gonna leave my guys behind. I'm gonna come back. Because it was like, not everybody got separated. Like it was half of my, my company got separated from the main battalion. 
So the company commander said, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to lead the rest of my guys. So he came back, which was good. You know, our, our company commander was leading the convoy. And um, this is where everything started going really bad. There was an intersection that we were supposed to take. We we're supposed to avoid a town in South Iraq. South Iraq. It was, it was the town of Anazaria. And we just went, we took the wrong the wrong road it was the, the we didn't know that that road led us to the enemy so we we went in we we entered the city around four or five how in the morning many, how many of you are um and then numbers like 20 people 50 people we were about 30 some so we were about 33 soldiers in 20 20 vehicles so when you take this wrong turn you're the commander's still leading you, like he's still with Yeah, you. he's still leading us. At that moment, we didn't know that we were going the wrong way until uh, I remember exactly, I still remember everything. I still remember entering the city. It was a city, it was it was a small little city. I, I remember seeing the lights from far away, the lights. Uh, I remember that uh, dogs started barking. You know, uh, everything was quiet at first until we heard the dogs barking. Um, we then we uh, by by the time there was sunrise, by the time the sun came out, we were inside the city. Okay, we are inside the city. We're driving around. Uh, I realized later on after a few after we made a few turns that oh my god, I think we're lost. We don't know where we're going because we were going. We kept passing the same place. So we were kind of like going in circles. I was like, okay, what's going on, you know? And um, it was around six, seven in the morning, I, I believe. It was, the sun was barely coming out. We stopped a few times to, uh, I guess, to to check, you know, to, to check, make sure everything was 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 going okay. Uh, we, we stopped, we put security, uh, we check our fuel, make sure everything, all the, all the trucks were okay on fuel. And I remember my friend that when I told you about that, I sat with him in the airplane, his vehicle was in front of me. So I, 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 I stopped behind him and I got out, we both got out, we, we were pulling security. And I remember talking to him real briefly, hey, you know, like, like what do you think is gonna happen? Like, oh man, I don't know. Like, I think we're lost or something, whatever. But we had no idea that, that the enemy was there. And I remember I pulled my camera I, I, from my pocket and I told my friend, hey, take a picture of me, you know? But, and I remember I was, I remember I didn't, I didn't think it was gonna be bad at that moment. I, I, I still remember making comments, oh, take a picture of me. It could be my last picture or whatever, whatever. And, and then, uh, and then my, I remember my friend told me, hey, I, I'm scared. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, I think we're lost and I don't know, like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I remember he, telling me that he was scared so not even a few minutes later uh well when we were there they told us lock and load i was like lock and load like okay lock and load means that get like your weapon needs to be ready to to like to be on fire like to fire i was like, lock and load okay i remember like they gave us the order lock and load and we took off we made a few turns you know around the city and and then while we were driving, all of a sudden, you know, we re we started receiving fire from 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 both directions, from on the from on the street. It was a it was a street, 
but it was like a highway. Let, let, you know, just, just imagine like a bis, uh, like the expressway. It was just like that. It was like a like a four lane highway, and both and and then on both sides, people were shooting at the convoy. So at that moment, everybody started driving fast because they told us you, you, in case we get ambushed, all we had to do is get out of the kill zone. Just get out. Don't you know shoot back, but just get out of the kill zone. That's the only thing you can do. That's the only thing you can do because we're not gonna stop and and just fight back because. We're convoy, uh, we're a combat support. We had the heaviest guns that we had was several 50 caliber, but most of us had right M16 rifles and few M249, which is like machine guns. So, um, so that's what we tried to do. We, we tried to get out of the kill zone, but I remember when I was driving, um, there was explosions in front of me. Some of the trucks that were ahead of me got hit by grenades or by RPGs. So the convoy got separated into three groups. The first, I would say the first four or five vehicles, they get they got out of the kill zone, they got out easily. Then the, the guys in the middle, they got hit pretty hard. And the guys behind, like on the end of the convoy, convoy which was me, we also got hit hard. But seeing that in front of us, there was vehicles under, you know, that had just been, you know, blown up. We couldn't go around. We had to find our way out. You know, mm-hmm. we had to go around these burnt vehicles. And so I was, I was be, I was like the end of the convoy. So, so your friend who had you had just talked to, he was on fire too. His his, his vehicle was hit by an RPG, and they they uh, overturned. They. Yeah. They overturned and they both died. The two passengers, or the driver and the passenger, they, they died instantly. But at that time, I didn't know, you know. But I knew that the, comp, the vehicles in front of me, they, I mean, a lot of those guys got killed instantly. How old, how old was your friend? He was 18 years old. Okay. And he was only in my, in my company, for like only a few months. He had just graduated from high school. He went straight to boot camp. Right out of boot camp, he arrived to my unit. And he, he had only been in my unit like a couple of months before we get we, before we deployed. So this guy, this my friend was like brand new private. He was a young private. Wow. And um, so what happened to your your guys? How many yeah. vehicles were you and the rest? So um, so we we kept driving. What I was trying, I was a driver. So what I was trying to do was I was trying to get out of there, right? Um, but my, my vehicle was getting hit. It was getting hit by bullets. Uh, the engine was getting hit. We, I took my, 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 tr- you know, I was driving a five ton truck. My, my truck got, you know, hit by a few rounds. The tires were completely flat. I kept driving with four flat, with all the flat tires. And um, the radio wasn't working anymore. Nothing was working the engine. Like I was still how many, trying. How many people were with you? I, I had a passenger, I had a female soldier with me and she was shooting through the window while I was, I was driving. And- uh, What's going through your head? Um, a lot of things. At that moment, I wasn't thinking. I was, my body was just like in survival mode. I was just trying to get out of there. There was no time to get scared at that moment. You know, my body was just reacting to the situation. 
And uh, I remember my vehicle was just driving like five, 10, five miles an hour. That, that was it because the engine was giving up on me. And I remember um, seeing a, a civilian dumpster truck right in front of me. So, and I was trying to, the, the dumpster truck was slowing down, slowing down, and I was trying to go around it. But every time I would go, I would try to pass the, the, the truck, that truck would get in front of me. And then, you know, so I knew, okay, this guy is blocking my way. He's slowing down. I, I can't get around him. He's blocking my way. So I just saw two soldiers, maybe three soldiers, popping out of from the from the back of the dumpster truck with AK 47s And they started shooting at my at my truck. What, did, what was that? What did you say? About three and uh so uh they got out. Was, yeah, they, they popped out of from the from the dumpster truck, from the back of the dumpster truck. Uh-huh grabbing the AK and start shooting on my truck. So I was only a few meters from the, you know, in distance from the truck. Fire. As soon as I saw that, I ducked as far as I could in, in my truck. I, I ducked underneath on the truck and, and, and I pressed the brakes really hard and, and my truck just swore off the, off the road. And the dumpster truck kept going. The dumpster truck kept going because there was other trucks behind me. There was other friends behind me, so when the so when the my truck went off the road, I went into a ditch, and I couldn't get out anymore. My my truck got stuck in the ditch. And uh, your passenger? My passenger, she was still there. She was she was still with me, and uh, she would. She told me several times, "Hey, get us out of here! Get us out of here!" I, I, I remember telling her, I can't, the truck is not moving, I can't, like, I, I'm trying my best to get out of there, but I was stuck in the ditch. So we were there a few minutes. At the same time, there was rounds everywhere, you know, uh, explosions nearby. It was, it was like a chaotic scene, you know, it was like a battle going on. Uh, kind of like in the movies, but this is more realistic, you know. The sound of explosions, sound of bullets whizzing, and I could hear the, the bullets passing by, you know. And then I saw several several vehicles, several of my my uh, of my army buddies passing me, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm staying behind, I guess, you know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm gonna be here. I'm, I'm they're all leaving, and I'm. Can you get out? Can you get out at the moment? Were you trying? Did you want to get out? No. I, I at that moment I didn't tr I didn't try to get out because I I could I could I could hear my my truck getting hit by by rounds. Oh, okay. I didn't get out till I saw one soldier running on the on the passenger side. He ran. He he was running and in 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 my female so the female passenger the female soldier it, it was Miller. Uh, Patrick Miller, he was the guy that was running and she called him out. Hey, where are you going? What, what are you doing? Where are you going? He's like, we need to get out of here. This Iraqi is chasing me right now. So he took off. He kept running, but I could see when he turned around, his face looked like really scared. You could see fear in his, in his face. And he kept going. He, he just said, we need to get out of here. This Iraqi is chasing me. And he, kept, and he kept running. Right after that, one of my sergeants got there and he opened the door oh i'm sorry but right before this that right before this happened there was there, there was uh, i felt some something hit my truck 
you know, it was like a collision. So um, I looked through the window and there was a Humvee of ours that had crashed into my vehicle. And when I turned around to see what it was, I saw the Humvee, I just saw bodies. You know, it was, it was a big wreck. The hum, the inside the Humvee, there was just bodies of soldiers, like in a weird positions, you know, like bodies on top of bodies. The driver was pinned. And, and at the same time, there was rounds going off and I wanted to get out to help them, but I, I couldn't get out because there was rounds right. everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. But I would, I would look every now and then I would look and there was no movement inside. So I knew all those guys were, were dead. So that's when Miller ran and then Sergeant uh, Riley got there. He opened the passenger door and he told us, get out, get out. So we got out and he told us, okay, go underneath the, go underneath the truck. So we went underneath the truck and he said, okay, um, there's, there's Iraqis coming this way. So let, you know, let's get ready to fight. In another word, let's get ready to fight. So we started shooting at that direction so that the Iraqis couldn't get closer to us. But um, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a, I think it was about 30, 40 minutes of fighting. There was, you know, around us, there was a lot of fighting, like a lot of enemy soldiers fighting in our, our direction. We, we, were, we were shooting back, right? And you had enough ammo for to be yeah, about we were issued about four magazines that's enough for for like an I'm hour gonna, five. i'm gonna interrupt you again Edgar. i'm sorry but had you been trained for a situation like this we were only trained for ambushes because our main job is is we were we were a combat support you know mm -hmm. our main job is to do convoy supply uh convoy runs you know supply convoy runs we will go and transport you know, loads of equipment, but we were trained to, to you know, am, like ambushes, but basically the ambush is that you cannot stay there long, long time because you're going to get overrun. Mm -hmm. So it basically it's just, okay, all you have to do is get out, get out, get out, just keep driving. And in case you get stuck, all you have to do is form a, a fighting perimeter and, and just fight, just fight till you get help. Which is what you did. Yeah, which was we did, but that was that's the 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 train we had. I mean, but but that's the, that's my company. Every time we would go to a field to train, it was about the the picture guys that would shoot their missiles, and that was it. Our job is to guard the perimeter because we were air defense artillery. My battalion was to shoot down missiles and enemy enemy airplanes, and 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 our job is just to secure the the site, you know. But Iraq is totally different. Iraq is it's the it's it's a uh, urban war. It's more like an urban warfare. The fighting was house to house fighting, you know. So I don't think the need of a patriot miss, uh, unit to be there, because mo you know the Iraqi Air, Air Force didn't do anything. You know, it was more like a, a, the Iraqi infantry. They did all the fighting. The Iraqi Air Force didn't do anything. Basically, for the there was no need for the patriot units to be there. So going back to the, to the fight, <clears throat> we were about 30, I don't know, it was, a, it was a long time fighting. I don't know how long we were there, but I think it was approximately about an hour fighting until the enemy got closer and closer and closer that I could see the enemy 
I could see the enemy really close. I could see the enemy like faces. I could see their faces. I remember seeing one guy. I could I could still describe him. He was wearing blue jeans. He was a real skinny, uh, lean guy, wearing blue jeans, black long sleeve shirt, with their with 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 their um, with your ammo carrier. And his face was wrapped in a scarf. It was a black and white scarf. And he was shooting at my direction, I was shooting back. So, but it was, every time I would shoot, like, cause I was in a pro position. I was like almost hugging the ground and he was doing the same thing. We were shooting each other back and forth until uh, I got shot in, in, in the, my arm. I, I was shot in my right arm from behind. So there was people shooting from, from behind us. So I, I was shot through my tricep, the bullet came out through my bicep. Uh, and, and that's when I, my, my arm just, I couldn't use my arm anymore. And I was a right-handed, so I couldn't use my arm. So my, my, the sergeant did most of the rest of the fighting, the shooting. Uh, and there was, you know, the, the RPGs and the mortars, they were kept, they were, they were, they were landing closer and closer until one, one more round hit close to, I would say close a uh, couple of yards from where we were at. And that explosion, I got, I, my face got cut with, from the, from the blast. My, I got wounded from the blast. So I was ripping blood from my face. And uh, at that moment I was bleeding everywhere. I was bleeding from my arm, I was bleeding from my face. And, uh, that's when I, I wasn't shooting anymore. I, that's when rea that's when I realized, oh my God, my friends are dead. We're all gonna die, you know? Like, we, we're gonna die, like, I'm gonna die. Like, there's, there's no way I'm gonna get out of here alive. And you know how when people say that, that at that moment, like seconds before you die, that- Your that life you get flashes. Huh? That your life flashes in front of you. Yeah, that your life flashes right in front of you that is so true. For some reason, I started thinking about home. Like those, those, those last moments, I started thinking about home. I started thinking of, of me in Alton, like my childhood years when I would hang out with my friends at the park, playing basketball. I started thinking about my family. Yeah, it, it was, for some reason, I started thinking about that. And I started thinking about my parents. I, I became sad, not for me, but for my parents, because I was thinking of my own funeral. I was thinking, oh man, like my parents are gonna be there. They're gonna bury me in, in, in my casket, draping the flag. And I, I was just sad for them. And- um, <clears throat> I'm a mom, so I'm just thinking, you know, like, wow. <laughs> I'm always crying. And then, this so this time you're not shooting. You're not, you're not shooting anymore. No, my, only my one of the sergeants and oh, and, and the female soldier Shoshana, she was also shot, so she was also bleeding, bleeding out. Um, and I'm I'm thinking in my mind, oh man, like I hope I don't I don't bleed I don't bleed out. You know, I was putting pressure on my arm. I couldn't move because if I move, those bullets were passing really close. I could hear them, like you know, passing through like close to my head. And I knew that if I made a sudden movement, I, I'm, I'm gonna get hit. And I was just waiting for another bullet to hit me in my head or, or anywhere in my body that I it was gonna be mortal. And then um, 
So I, I started praying. At that moment, I started praying, you know what? I don't want to die, God, please. If I do, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I was just thinking a lot of things. I was asking God for help. I was asking God, like, you know, please, like, I, I want to, I don't want to die, you know, that's. And, had you, uh, had you uh, I'm going to interrupt you. Have you, when you left, you mentioned earlier you were at the base, you knew deployment was going to come. And then months came by. They tell you you're going to know. They gave you the date of February. You come home for Christmas. The day of comes. You're in the plane. You're driving to that. You take the long turn, the wrong turn. All this time, you had never prayed. I did, but in my mind, I didn't think it was going to be, I was ever going to be in a situation like that. Like, I didn't think that I... I'm oh. just saying, because right now you're saying the only thing I could do is pray. But I'm just thinking, you know, maybe it's you're running all this time, but all this time, you know, you're, they're shooting, you, you shoot your tires, they're flat, you go into the ditch. All this time, is God is not where, anywhere yet. Or that, in your mind, at least. You're not praying yet. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I, like, that was the only time that I had fear. The whole time I was there in Kuwait, they, they, you know, the days before that led, led to this, the attack. Uh, the attack. I just never thought that that it was going to happen to me. War did not cross my mind, or fighting for my life did not cross my mind at all. Did you ever think when when you knew that your the, the vehicle in front of you, when your friend who was eighteen died, did you think that's going to happen to me? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there was no time to think. You know, I was just reacting to the situation. My my body was in survival mode, so there was really not time to think. Oh, what what's gonna happen, or what could happen? Like, no, it was just yeah. like if I was gonna get killed, it was gonna come right away. Sudden, you know. Okay. Wow. Sudden. So I take you back. I'm gonna take you back to the. You're praying. You start praying. You said, God. Yeah. And- I- like, please, you know, help me, uh, you know, I don't want to die. And then I remember that there was a, a crowd of, of people surrounded the, the, the truck. And the sergeant, my sergeant came out, he threw his weapon and he raised his hands and he said, we surrender, we surrender. As soon as he said that, there was like lots of people, like I would say, because it was, civilians there was iraqi soldiers and there was a group of fighters that called fedayeen they 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 wore black suits like like ninjas they look like ninjas um we got surrounded by people you know and uh, they they got they they grabbed my uh sergeant riley they grabbed them and they started hitting him and then uh i i, I was still behind uh, underneath the truck and nobody knew that i was underneath the truck until one guy peeked, uh, peeked through underneath and he saw me, he went around and, and I just raised my left hand that hey, I'm surrendering. And he, and he, grabbed, he grabbed me and pulled me out. And uh, um, that's when they got me up, they took me to where my sergeant, sergeant was. And we got like, we got beat up pretty bad um, by a lot of people, you know? And, and uh, I, I just, I was just thinking of my wound. I'm like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm thinking I don't want to bleed out. I'm holding, I'm putting pressure on my right arm. I'm, I'm just trying. 
this at the same time, these people are trying to punch me, kicking me, you know, and I'm just avoiding their uh, punches. I'm trying my best, avoiding uh, whatever, but that was not my concern. My concern was that I'm bleeding out. Um, but it was like, I would say, I'm not gonna lie. It was, I'm, I'm gonna say it was about 30, 40 people, you know, there. We were right in the middle of it, of, of, of all these people. And they were like celebrating. They were, I don't know, singing what something in, in their language. They were, you could tell they were celebrating. And they, and then, um, they 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 walked they walked us like they they led us on, on the street we were walking and at the same time we weren't getting beat up and I remember lo looking to the back of my truck and I remember a bunch of kids climbing into my truck getting all my stuff my personal stuff you know all my belongings you know and all the equipment all the food they 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 were able to get the my memory boxes that I was carrying everybody went through the Maries there people were like grabbing everything you know they were looting my truck there was one uh, there was one moment that um a Fedeyin came up to me and uh he he started screaming at me i don't know what he was saying but i could see people were like doing hand signals that they were gonna like cut they were gonna cut my head off to me and my sergeant they were giving us signals like doing this i'm like okay you know and and uh one Fedeyin came came up to me one Fedeyin, one guy in, wearing the black suit with their faces covered, he put a right, an AK, the, his AK rifle, the muzzle in my head, and he told me, I'm gonna kill you. And, and at that moment, I'm like, okay, but then I, at the same time, I was looking at everybody doing this, doing this, and then saying in broken English, we're gonna kill you, American, we're gonna kill you in doing this. Um, I just, I, I, I just, I was thinking, okay, if, I, if I'm gonna get killed, I'd rather get shot in the head. Uh, you know, it would be painless and it would be like really, really quick. Like there was, there's not gonna be a time to feel pain, but I didn't wanna get, have my, my head cut off. So I'm looking at this side, okay, what are these people gonna do? You know, and, and, and um, for some miracle, for some miracle, I just saw a, a bunch of Iraqi soldiers running towards the crowd. And he, they were pushing, pushing people away to gain access to us. You know, these were a group of army soldiers in green uniform, Iraqi army. And, and they, they grabbed me and they grabbed the, my sergeant, but the Fedeyin, they were also grabbing me and the civilians. So we were getting pulled on both sides, you know? And, and, and they started arguing among themselves. The Iraqi soldiers and the Fei and the civilians, they were like arguing back and forth. At the same time, we were getting pulled, you know, on both sides and they're like, oh my God, <laughs> it was crazy, you know? And, and um, there was one guy that gave orders that he grabbed me, he was like almost hugging me. This guy was hugging me and he was, he was giving orders to everyone to, I guess, to step back. And, and I remember looking to the side, I was remember looking to his uh, shoulder and he had about a couple of stars, gold stars. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, this guy had to be an officer. And, and he hugged me, like he was like, kind of like hugging me and, and pulling me out. Till finally the, the, the Fedeyin gave out, that they, they just let us go. So the Iraqi soldiers took us, they put us in a little car and they drove us, they drove us off from that, from that place. 
We drove a couple of blocks until we got to a building. That building was surrounded of Iraqi soldiers. They, uh, they took me in. As soon as I entered that, that room, I saw one of my friends sitting down that I had not seen uh, before, uh, like that day. I mean, earlier, he was sitting down in, in, in a chair with his hands tied up. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. We're not the only ones. There's other survivors. There's other other soldiers that you know they also captured. And I remember seeing him also bleeding. He was bleeding from the from his back, from his lower back. And and uh, he was sitting down, but he was dripping blood. So they they went and took me to a. They they told me to sit down in a couch. There was a couch, and they told me sit down. And uh, I remember I was so weak. My body was going through shock at that moment. I felt so cold. I started feeling really weak. My mouth was really thirsty, it was real dry. And um, I remember started shaking. I was going into shock and the doctors knew it. The, the Iraqi medics that were there, right away, they started working on me. They, uh, they, they, uh, they stopped the bleeding because they, 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 uh, they made me took and take, they take all, all my gear. I took off all my gear and only have my shirt. So they saw my wound. They put a, uh, a they bandaged my wound. They stopped the bleeding. They gave me two, uh, they connected me to IVs, two uh, bags, of, you know, those those uh, bags. Uh, and they, they lay me laid down. And slowly I started coming back up, you know, but I was still out of it. My, I felt so weak. Um, I could hear voices around me. I could hear people like my friends were were getting interviewed or interrogated, and and uh, I didn't know there was cameras. By that time, there was a camera crew or news uh, news crew that came in and started interviewing my friends. So when it was when it was my time, uh, I remember seeing the reporter who was in green uniform, Rex reporter, asking questions, and I was still laying down in bed. Um, Are they speaking English? Yeah, I was laying down on the couch and they, they, they asked me questions, like real, like broken English, right? But I, I understood what they were saying. So I, I started just answering their questions. And then the, the, the reporter picked me up from, from my head and I sit up and I see the camera right in front of me. And there was soldiers behind the camera and the reporters asking me questions, but I, I was really like, I don't know, like I, I was just answering whatever, you know, because my mind was not really, I was not really focusing. And I still have that video, like I still have that video of the interview and, and of the whole, the aftermath of the, of the fighting. But, um, but yeah, that video came out on the news and on national news. When I, I was video. That's the video that I actually saw. It came out. I know being at home and my dad's like, oh, look what's going on. And I remember I recognized you. Wow. And at what point do you know that you're actually a prisoner of war? That it clicks? Like right after that, once I gained fully conscious, <clears throat> my friends, uh, when I saw the rest of my friends uh, that they gathered, uh, and everybody was there, uh, and then we were surrounded by Iraqis asking us questions, and and uh, that's when I realized, oh man, like I'm captured, I'm a I'm a prisoner of war, you know, and I remember thinking, I can't believe this is happening, like I I, I just can't believe it, like 
Were you communicating with each other, like your friends and the commander? Were you communicating with them at this time, or you just not talking? No, we you guys. We no, we were we were on shock. We were all scared. We were in shock. Like I said, we were surrounded by Iraqi soldiers in inside that room. So everybody was being asked questions by by soldiers. So at that moment, no, we didn't have time. We we could just see each other in the faces, and we could just nod to each other. But we didn't talk. We didn't have no communication. We didn't talk because everybody, other Iraqi soldiers were like talking to us, asking us questions and all that stuff. Um, from there, we, we were there for like, I don't know how long, a couple of minutes. From there, they took us to another area in, 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 in inside a little small car. While we were driving through the streets, by that time, it was around 11, 12, uh, like during the day. And by this time, everybody was out, like every, all the civilians that were out and about, you know, it, it wasn't like here that everybody drives car and over there is like people walk, people walk. So I could see a lot of people out in the streets and there everybody were like, a lot of people were like celebrating on the streets. There was a group of people celebrating. And then I could see while we were driving, I could see our trucks, like the trucks that we were driving earlier, I could see them driving through the town, like through the, through the streets carrying soldiers in the back, like ferrying soldiers and civilians, not Iraqi soldiers, but they were like carrying civilians in the back of our trucks with AK shooting up in the air and celebrating, singing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they were driving around. We were not blindfolded at that time, but I could see the trucks passing and I, my, the trucks that we have, we have bumper numbers. So I remember trying to look, okay, what's the bumper number? What's the bumper? I knew I had learned what my my friends were driving, what vehicles they were driving. So I would see the bumper numbers and I would think, oh man, that was my friend. You know, I would see the the several vehicles and I would see the bumper numbers and, and I remember, okay, I'm, I'm, I was trying to think, okay, who was driving that vehicle? And when I when I thought about, when I realized, okay, who was driving that vehicle? I was like, oh man, and they're not here with me. That's when I realized, oh man, those those my friends are dead, you know, because they're not with with us. And uh, I, I was sad. I, I was sad for them, you know, because uh, the whole time I'm like, oh my God, like what, what is happening? What is going on? I feel like I was in, like in a movie. I only seen this in a movie, you know, but just being there like in real life, it, it was, it was, I, it's unbelievable. Like I was trying to grasp that reality. Like I, I can't believe like this. I was still like instead of shock. Like I can't believe this is happening. Uh huh. Wow. And uh, we drove. I guess couple of I don't know, couple of minutes and whatever. And then and then all of a sudden the driver started panicking. We we went back and we drove the opposite way. We drove back. We drove the opposite way. And later on, I learned that the Marines, they attacked the city. What, what happened is that the guys that got out, the, you know, remember I told you the first three or four vehicles got out on time or they got out. Mm -hmm. There was Marines outside the city. So when the company commander got to the Marines, they, they told the Marines, hey, I got guys, my guys inside the city. They're under fire. They they're attacked right now. They're being attacked. You guys need to go get them. I still got my I still got my guys stuck inside inside the city. So the Marines right away they went and attacked the the city, and 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 that's when uh, 
I, when the Iraqis learned that the Marines were attacking the city, the Iraqis that were driving us in that little car, they, we drove out of the city. So the Marines, when they finally got to the, to the, to the scene where, you know, the, where the fight was, there was no bodies, but they saw the, some vehicles that were left destroyed and they only found two bodies. One guy that was stuck uh, inside the vehicle that the Iraqis couldn't pull out, that, that they just left them there. And, the, and then another soldier was blown in pieces. The, those are the only two bodies that were left at the scene. So when the Marines arrived, they only found two bodies. The, uh, the rest were unaccounted for. The bodies, us, nobody knew where we were at. So we were on Do you remember what total was? How many were unaccounted for? I mean, including you guys? Um, well, 12 soldiers were killed. Those bodies, they, they took them somewhere. And then seven of us, well, actually we're six, six of us because Jessica was also captured later, but she was taken to a hospital. So it was six of Jessica, us. the one that was your, your, your passenger? No, she was uh, in another vehicle, Jessica, Jessica Lynch. What happened to your passenger? My passenger was also captured with us. Okay. So she was part of my group. We were, at that moment, we were five. We were five uh, in that prisoners, yeah. And, and, then, and then Jessica was taken to a hospital. We, we didn't know that she was taken to a hospital. So the Marines didn't know, they, they didn't know what happened. Like they, they, they were, we were just unaccounted for. So now hearing the stories like from my family, I remember my mom told me that, that there was two occasions that the officers came, the, the police, Alton police came with, uh, with a chaplain, army chaplain. The first time they, they came to my mom's house, they told my mom uh, that there was a, there was a firefight, there was a, there was a battle that it was involved a 507 mains company. Your son was there, but we don't know what happened to your son. Like right now there's soldiers unaccounted for and we don't know if your son is dead or alive. So that's what they told my mom. How, and, was, uh, this, was this, um, had your mom seen the video of you being captured? She said that I think I'm not. Sure, I don't remember. If it was the next day, but like days after, because uh, my mom would watch the Mexican news, and the Mexican news. I think they aired it before. Yeah, because my dad watches the Mexican news, and that's where I saw it myself. Okay. So yeah, my, when the, but my question is: when the chaplain comes, was it before or after the news? That was before the news. So my mom, I think it was for a couple of days, or I think it was a day or two days that, that she didn't know if I was there alive until she saw the Mexican news that they were showing the uh, POWs, they were showing our interviews on, on, the, on, on TV. And my mom saw it and she recognized my face right away. Oh, wow. So she saw me as like, oh, that's my son, you know, that's, that's, that's my son. So then right after the chaplain came back with Alton PD, came back and then that's when he told my mom, your son, we we, uh, we found out what happened. Your son is right now is captured, he's, he's a POW. But my, my mom already knew it. My mom already knew that I was that I was captured because she saw the Mexican news. Yeah. 
So that's now that uh, your mom and everybody, the whole church was praying for you. And everybody else, right? Wow. Yeah. So, so take us back where you're there. How many days were you captured? Um, total, I was, I was 21 days. But those 20 days, we were always on the move. We did not stay in one place no more than two or three days. We were on the move the whole time. And that was because I, I know that I was in Baghdad uh, at one point. And Baghdad was getting bombed day and night. It was like constantly bombing, getting bombed. And uh, that's, it was really scary because one night uh, it was bombs. Like I could hear bombs like all night long. Bombs getting like explosions and stuff like that. And the, the, the ground shaking. And Were I, you guys like in a house, in a tent, and in a vehicle when all this is it, happening? It was, uh, it was in a... It was a prison. It was you could tell it was a prison. It, it was uh, the first room that, that that I was in. It was a uh, it was a room with a high ceiling, and there was a heavy door, metal door, and there was bars. There was no window. I think there was a little window on top, but they had bars. And that was the first place that I that I that I arrived. That was the first place I arrived, and and I remember that throughout the day of that day of the fight of the battle. They took me to all these places and I was getting interviewed by different Iraqi soldiers. Iraqi, I guess, uh, like top uh, officers. There was one where I was interviewed again in front of a camera and then this guy had a bunch of medals and stars and he was well-dressed and he was asking us questions. Uh, so we finally arrived to the first cell, right? And they made me change into uh, pajamas. And then the Iraqi guards, they were pretty, they were pretty tough. They just threw me in there. You know, I was still bleeding from my head, from my arm. They threw me in there. It was dark. I don't know. It was late at night. I don't know how, what time it was, but it was so dark that I was, I, I was able to lay down on the wall, like I lean against the wall and I sat there and, and I remember that everything just got quiet. That was my first time that I was actually by myself to gather all my thoughts. And it was just so quiet. And I, I, I remember thinking like, okay, now I'm here in the dark room. And I was just like thinking, okay, like, <laughs> like a few hours I was there with my friends, you know, Bef early, early in the day, I was just hanging out with my friends. And now that it's the end of the day, I'm here now. Like how in the world, like, like, I was still like asking myself, why? Like, how could this happen? You know, like, <laughs> It was just weird. And I remember that I, that was the time that I broke down. Like I, I literally like started crying like so bad. Like I just cried and cried and, and thinking of, I'm, I'm happy that I'm alive. I was happy that I'm alive, that I survived the, the battle. But I was thinking of my friends, like how many of my friends are dead? And right now I don't even know, you know? What about their families? Like I knew a lot of those guys were married, have kids. And I would just cry thinking of, of them thinking of, of the situation that I was in. And I don't, I don't know how long I was gonna be there. Like, I remember just, I broke. It's like spiritually, like emotionally, I just broke down that, wow. that night. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so at this time, Edgar, that you said this, is, it was the day of, all this happened in one day? Yeah. 
all that happened in one day yeah it was so the, lot- the, the whole you go you get there to the city six in the morning uh the the whole fighting happens they take you prisoner they did the interviews they fix your wounds and then they put you in a dark cell yeah i i would say that it was like really really late at night so i would say it was past midnight mm-hmm. that that i was done of the day like i was done with everything that the directors did or they put me through mm-hmm. I, that was that was like the end of it like i was finally by myself in in this dark cell you know and 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 i was so tired because the day before i had barely i had barely had uh time to sleep you know i, I was already on a uh, few hours of sleep and 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 i was dead tired i was my body was physically tired and my emotionally i was just tired i was hurt like i had never been like never been physically and emotionally broken you know till that day so what happens after uh the next morning the next morning i woke up i didn't feel pain in my cuz i was also on medication i was i was on painkillers that the doctor gave me i didn't feel through the night i didn't feel no pain so the next morning i woke up and i remember I, i woke up and i was in a in a pool of blood like i was my bandage was soaking wet like blood was like it was like a like a small pool of blood and i remember I woke up I was like oh my god and I, it was i was you know i had a lot of blood and 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 the pain the the medic the painkiller was wearing off so i had a lot of pain at that moment uh iraqis uh the iraqis came uh, they gave me um food and 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 tea they gave me tea it was hot tea uh, they didn't give me any water it was because over there i guess all they drink is tea so i ate uh, i drank the the tea and um and i was there for like i don't know how many days i was like two but maybe did two you tell them like i'm sure they saw your yeah. arm but did you tell them hey like help me yeah they would bring a doctor um, uh, every at first it was uh, every day, like the doctor would bring they would still come and they would change my bandages and they would give me medic a painkiller and a medication like it was like antibiotic i guess for the infection and uh, i remember now I, we were there for like, like at least four maybe it was like a almost a week that i was there and the an iraqi doctor would come every two maybe three days he would come and and check my wound change my 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 bandages and gave me in the few give me medication and uh until until we left that the reason why we left that prison because one one night there was bombs uh being dropped and one bomb hit so close that we thought that the place was going to blow up like the ground shook the roof almost came apart so in the middle of the night the guards came and they took us out of there and then we went to another and all this time it's still the six of you yes the six of us and you're aware of that or you think that oh i'm the only one left no i was aware of it, of that because uh because i had seen my friends in that room where we got interview mm-hmm. but then the next day i forgot to tell you the next day on the 24th they brought in two other soldiers in the middle of the night they brought them in in the same prison and and they locked them in and 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 uh till the next morning um i realized okay there's two other soldiers that don't belong to my company like who like i was wondering who are these guys you know 
And and I remember that we, every time we would whisper, the guards would tell us to shut up, like don't don't talk, shut up. Uh, but then I, I knew this, these two guys were uh, they were pilots. They were uh, there were two pilots that were shut down on the the night of the twenty third or the twenty fourth, and then they they uh, they brought they brought them to us to the same prison. Until uh, later on, we saw their faces. We we finally I, I don't know it was through through the hallway because sometimes we were asked to go to the restroom. So so we the the guards would take us through the hallway into the restroom and we would stand like I could yeah. see through the edges like okay you know and I saw them I saw them personally and and and, and I found you know yeah and wow. I found out who they were. So this time uh, days are going by. Days are going by. They're taking care of your wound uh if the other ones were, i'm sure they're doing the same you're there and what's going through your mind i mean one day were you keeping count of the day so i've been here one day it's been two days what's going through your head yeah um i was keeping keeping track of the days and every time they will they would take us to a new new prison like i would look the wall like i would look on the walls and i found out several writings so we were like, like it was a prison, for, like, I don't know if it was a prison like where they held other prisoners of war, like pre previous wars or what. And I remember thinking that, that during this storm, there was also POWs. And I, and I had read a book about this, uh, a female POW. And I remember thinking, I wonder if this, if she was here in these prisons, you know, cause, cause those prisons later on, I found out they were actually houses. They, were, they looked like houses, but inside they were prisons. So they were six, uh, secret prisons mm -hmm. that, that the Iraqis had. Um, but uh, what, throughout, like, throughout the days, I was, I, I was thinking, okay, like I, I, I was thinking a lot of things. You know, Every time they would open the door to, to deliver food to me or, or the doctor would come, every time they would open the door, I didn't know if if they if they were gonna give me food or 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 they were gonna take me out to get executed or I didn't know if we were gonna be alive the next day because at that moment we were not in control like I didn't know I didn't know anything what was going like I didn't I knew the Iraqis were in control these guys could decide at any time to you know what let's just kill them uh, that those things went through my mind like I'm sure these guys like I'm. You know, they could decide any time that, you know what, let's just kill them all. So I need, every day I didn't know if, if I was going to be alive the next day. You know, every morning when I would wake up, I, I, I was happy. You know what? Okay, it's another day that I survived. You know, last night, yesterday I survived. Now let's, do, let's, let's see what happens today. You know, and I was grateful for every day that I was alive. You know, I was, I was really counting my days. Towards the end of those three weeks, it got intense. In a way that every every time it came to a moment, it came to a point like that we were moved every day, like every day, couple of times throughout the day, because because Iraqis that were being surrounded, like the, the Americans were getting closer and closer, and I remember uh, that one one of the Iraqi guards, I, I was trying to be friends with the guards to to ask them questions. You know, like I wanted to feel comfortable because they were like, some of them were like just mean. They didn't want to talk. They didn't want to look at me in the eye. They didn't want to see my face. They were just, they, they were just mean. And they want. 
could you tell if there were young kids like you? I mean, you're 21. Could you tell uh, if they were older, younger, or because their faces are covered? No, they were uncovered, but I saw some young guys and some older guys. But the, the guards that, were, that kept us there, most of them were, were old. I, I noticed that they were older age. They were at least 30, at least in their yeah, 30s. I'm just, I'm just asking because, I mean, hey, this kid is could be my little brother. You know, this kid no, could be my yeah. son. I understand what you're saying. Like, um, when we were in different, uh, when they took us to these little different places to get interviewed, there was a young Iraqi soldiers. I, I saw them. Uh, you know, we were being interviewed by the older guys, but behind them, there was, there was young Iraqi soldiers. And, and I remember, I remember looking at them, they were looking at me. And I remember thinking, I wonder what these guys are thinking of me. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the enemy face to face. I'm looking at in their eyes. These young Iraqi soldiers looking at, at us, at the POWs lined up in front of a camera. And I remember thinking of them like, man, these guys are like, they, they were looking at us like, like with curiosity, you know, like, like, oh, these American soldiers, you know, that, that we captured. And I remember in their faces, like they're having that, that curious face, like, like thinking, like just. And, and, but you and, never talked. No, we, we didn't talk. I remember that some of them, some soldiers that would ask us, where are you from? And I would tell them I'm, I'm from Texas. Um, I'm from, uh, from Mission, Texas. I, I said Mission, Texas. Uh, and they were asking, like, they were asked personal questions, like, because we were all, like, my group, the five of us, we were mixed races. You know, we got two uh, Anglo guys, we got one Filipino guy, Shoshana was black, African-American, I was Hispanic. And I remember they, they were, like, they were curious. They were like, oh, you, you, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from the U.S., I'm from, no, but what, like, they were trying to tell me, like, they asked me what was my nationality. And, and I would tell them, I'm Mexican. And they're like, Mexican? Like, someone, I guess, I, I don't know. I was, and I would tell them, yeah, I speak Spanish. Oh, Spanish, Spanish. They're like, well, Mexican, but yeah, you could say that. And, mm -hmm. and, and they were just asking us, per, 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 some of them were asking us personal questions. At any point, did you say, oh, let's try to escape? No, no, um, not at that moment. Like, I think it was towards the end. Towards the end, there was a, 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 a there was a scene where like uh, we were in this prison. Uh, there was the guards were different this time. There were just different guards, and this these guards were like very very young. They were like in the early twenties. Some of there was a there was a teenager. There was there was a few that were must have been teenagers. But one guy came in. By this time, we were all together, all five, well, we were seven by that, by that time, because including the two, two, uh, two uh, pilots, we were in one cell, all of us together. When these guards came, they opened the door and they started talking to us like really like friendly, like asking us personal questions about our lives. And, and then one guy, I, I don't know if I could use this language, but he was cousin, using American cuss words. I don't know if I can use it now in my interview, this interview. Sure, that's fine. But he said, you know, he said, fuck Iraq. And we were like, what? Fuck Iraq. <laughs> and we, all of us at that moment, we were, you know, all together, right? We were looking at each other. Like, did he say fuck Iraq? And then, and then he's like, yes, fuck Iraq. And then the whole time he was waving his AK. 
he was like, he was like being reckless with AK, just waving it like like he was nothing. And we were like, oh my god, like this guy, like I hope this guy doesn't like a round go off or whatever. And 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 he's like, no, no. And he started like like talking bad about the Iraqi regime, and he's saying all this stuff and fuck Iraq, fuck. And then and I remember he he pulled up, he took uh he he was showing us a set of keys. And, and, and he was talking like broken English, but at the same time he was talking in, in, in Arab or Iraqi. And the other 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 uh, the other Iraqi guards were also like like saying something and laughing. And and we we were trying to comprehend what this guy's saying, what are they trying to tell us? And they were waving the a set of keys. And that was a time that we were thinking, oh man, these guys are they might let us go. You know, what are we gonna do? They tell us, hey, leave, leave. We just cannot just go like that. We're like in the middle of Iraq or some city, Baghdad or I don't know what city we were at at that moment. They're gonna recognize us. Like we need to like if they let us go. Like what are we gonna do? Are you still wearing like your uniform, like your American uniform? No, we were wearing pajamas. Okay, like we their their typical clothes, their pajamas, not yeah. They were like typical pajamas. It, it was so you just can kind of sort of blend in if you had to escape. Not really. Well, not well. Me. That's that's what I was gonna tell you. Uh, me and my friend were like, we cannot just go like that, and, and people see us. They're gonna realize that we're not Iraqis. Mm -hmm. So um, they they say, okay, if they give us the keys to drive the vehicle, they 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 told me either probably you, which was me, or Joe uh -huh. Hudson, because Joe Joe is half Filipino, but he looked really like. He looked Hispanic or he looked Filipino. You could blend in because of your color. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I could blend in. And, and we told him, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be in the front. We'll, he'll be the driver. Or I'll, I'll be the front passenger. You guys are going to have to hide because especially you, Shana, because there's no black people, African-Americans here. So we told him, you guys are going to have to hide. Me and Joe will be probably the ones, the driver and the passenger. And we'll find our way out because if they see you guys, they're going to, I mean, it's going to be obvious. Right. So we can blend in, but not you guys. So that was the plan. That we That's the only time that we planned for an mm -hmm. escape. Mm -hmm. I guess they were just giving us, giving, giving us false hopes. Because the whole time they were just playing. messing with us. Yeah, they were just playing around with us, messing with us, playing with our minds. Because they were laughing among themselves. I'm a man, these Did guys are just know? joking. Do you know what time this, because you said you were there 21 days. You're still keeping track. This was like day 19, day 15. Uh, I, I really yeah, don't I remember. remember what okay. day, but it was towards the end. Because by that time, we had different guards. And they they we were not separated at that moment, I guess, because there was no other prisons that they can put us in. And there was it was not a it was more like a house. And they would lock the doors. And they would barricade the, the doors, the windows. I'm going to still go back. I'm, I'm thinking of your mom. Are you thinking of back home? I know you said that, that that first day you're there by yourself and you start reflecting that you broke down. But all these days, days are going by, days are going by. And are you thinking of, of home or, or what's going through your mind about I'm not going back. I'm going to die here. Is that going through your mind all this time as days go by? I, I Yeah, I was. I, I would think about home like every day. Like I was, I would just think about, like I would wonder like what are my parents doing like at this time? Like what news are they getting, you know? But like stuff like that, like, you know, 
Like I was just wondering what they were doing at home, like what they were thinking at this moment. You know, did like, you did you have? Because I know you said earlier that that was the time that you prayed. Are you praying all this time also? Like yeah. doing this. Or? Yeah. Every, every every night I would pray. Like every night I would pray. That just I would ask God, just give me one more day, God, one more day. You know. Uh, so you weren't even asking for get me out of here. You were just saying like one day. Yeah, one day, just give me one more day to survive, just one day to be alive. Because I, in back in my mind, I knew that the demerit. You're thinking, demerit I'm dying, I'm dying. Like, I'm going to die here, but you were just hoping for another day. Yeah, I was just hoping that, because I knew that the Americans, that were going to come, they were going to win the war, then we're going to find, they were going to find us, and then we're going to get rescued. So you're waiting, you're, you, your mind, you're saying, you know what, we're going to get rescued. We're going to get yeah, rescued. Yeah, I was hoping for us to get rescued one day. So I was just praying that, you know what, just give me one more day, one more day. I was asking God for one more day till the day of the rescue comes. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to prolong the days that, you know what, like, I don't want these guys to just panic and just come before that day of rescue and then just kill us, you know? And, and I was just, I was praying for like, just give me one more day and hopefully that day will come that we're gonna get rescued. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I was praying for. But those those three, like during those three weeks, they they fed us. But I'm towards the end, like I, I would say, like towards the end of those three weeks, we were moving constantly. That that someday, like we were not being fed like properly. Like so, uh, sometimes they would, their guards, they would just bring whatever food they could find. Sometimes they would just bring fruits that would that they would get from the trees that some sometimes they would they would just give us cucumbers and apple or orange you'd think that they were they weren't supposed to be feeding you but yet they were being nice they they yeah they, no i think they were they they uh, they knew that they were responsible for us i don't know if they their orders were to you know what you guys are gonna be responsible for the pow's but at the same time they came moving us around because they were trying to avoid a fight with, with the American soldiers. Mm -hmm. So this whole time they were avoiding confrontation with the US, with the with Americans. Every time that you the you the soldiers will will go somewhere, we will move out. You know what I mean? So that's why they kept moving us around to avoid for them to avoid uh, a fight. And, and to avoid us being rescued. So these guys didn't have time to make food. So sometimes they would bring just fruits and then sometimes they would bring a meal. There's a lot of things that happened those three weeks. A lot of close, uh, close calls. There was one night that while we were moving to another prison, there was a fight somewhere. We were being transported in, in this little, little minivan. And I remember that the van was going like really, really fast and we were like, like reckless driving. I guess we were driving through the middle of a fight and we we obtained, we got a lot of information. Like after we got rescued, like like that night, they said that the Marines, they saw that van leaving, the, I guess the fight. We got information, like afterwards, we got information that the Marines knew that the Iraqis were using ambulance for officers to escape. It was actually an ambulance where we were being transported this whole time. So the Marines, they, they well, not just the Marines, but the Army, they they uh, they found out that that the Iraqis were using ambulances to escape. Yeah, I wonder if 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 we were being shot at. It looked like we were being shot at. It looked like we were driving 100 miles an hour. 
Right. You know, and, you know, bullets and it was like in the middle of a fight, rounds and explosions. And we were driving like 100 miles an hour. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope we don't we don't crash or we don't get hit, you know, by a missile. But it was scary feeling. So there was a lot of close calls wow. in between those three days or three weeks. It was a lot of close calls. Either we almost got bombed by our own bombs. Did they knew the Marines or Americans knew that you guys were prisoners after because they had sent the video or were there other videos throughout those three weeks? So it was only the initial one or two videos that came out. No, it was just that one initial video. But so all this the, time, do they know that you guys are still alive or they don't know? They knew that we we're still alive, but they didn't know where we were, where we were. Like, let's say, for example, I remember I told you that, that we were in Baghdad and they were dropping bombs. Mm-hmm. And some bombs were like hitting really close. Well, the Air Force didn't know they were there. So in any moment, right. we could have been blown up. Killed by, by your bombs. own. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So like, so like every day there was something going on, like something would always happen every day that it was a close call. And then I can take you to the last day. The last day was, it was like the moment that, that we got rescued. Was, yes, explain that. That the last day, <clears throat> it was, uh, it was one, uh, it was, it was in the morning, the Iraqis, uh, the Iraqi guards, they brought us food to eat. We were in, in one room. It was, it was a house. It was not a prison anymore. It was a house. That's where we're all together in one place. These guys were like, they were nicer than the other guys. So these guys would bring playing cards or uh, like little stuff like that for us to keep our minds busy. So we were playing cards that one morning and we were just there talking when we could hear uh, the sound of tanks outside. We could hear like armor, like we could hear tanks driving and, and I could hear like just noises. There was no, there was no fight. There was just, there were just noises. Uh, now, and- I'm sorry, but were, were you, you said you were a house, but were you, do you know you were within the city? Are you out there somewhere out in the desert? Like where no. are you? No, we were like the middle of a town. It was, okay. it was like a little town or city. I don't, I don't know. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was like a neighborhood, but we outside, we could hear armor and we could hear tanks, you know, we could hear noises of tanks. And then, and then I remember, like, we were trying to figure out, we were trying to find out what, what was the noise, like, what, like, what's going on through the window, because there was an opening, this small window, we, we looked, and, and they, they saw, they saw tanks from far away, I was like, oh, man, like, I think they're, they're here, there's, there's Americans here, like, there's, and I'm like, oh, man, I hope they know that we're here in this house, because I, we knew that they, they didn't know we were there, but we were hoping that they would find us, my friend took out his shirt, we were still because underneath underneath the, the pajama, we 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 were wearing our our army t-shirts, the army issue yeah, yeah, t-shirt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or, uh-huh. And and I remember like my friend, he put the t-shirt outside to the window and he was waving it like in secret, oh, like waving wow. it while you know. So where are the where are the guards right now? They they're not there in the room. They were they were outside somewhere. They were not they were not in the room. They were outside okay, good, or good. in the other rooms. But my friend secretly put the that brown t-shirt sure. so that hopefully the Americans can find, you know, can see the shirt and recognize mm-hmm. that that's an army issue uh, shirt. So as the as the marine as the marine, we didn't know at that time there was a marine, but as they got closer, the the guards they were just they were just quiet. They didn't want to make a noise because they didn't want to find they didn't want them to find out who were there, right? 
So by this time we knew these guys, the Marines, they were knocking down on every door. They were knocking on every door looking for the American, looking for the POWs. So when he finally came to our house, this guy just took the door down and the squad of Marines went in. Who took know. the door down, the, the actual soldier or you guys the, inside? The Marines, the Marines, they stormed the, the house. They, they went inside. But they why? Their... Because he saw the shirt or? Me, I, I'm guessing because they saw the shirt. They saw the shirt, they, they tore down the door, they went in and then they yelled at every, everybody, everyone, the, everyone that was there, you know, get down, get down. Because the guards were in the living room. We were in another room behind the house, like towards the, the back of the house. So they so they told the Iraqis, get down, get down, everybody get down. And you know, and and uh, the Iraqis didn't they didn't do anything because they knew like it was just a couple of guard, a couple of guards against all these Marines. So they they were not gonna put a fight, right? So when they went to search his room, they knock on the our, our, our room and they they ask, they ask, is there any Americans here? And then, then we like you tell them, yeah, we're all Americans. So they opened the door and 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 we just hugged them and we told them, hey, we're Americans, we we we're POWs. And then the, the Marines they took us out, and they took us out of that 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 house, and and they they said, okay, you guys gonna go in and lined up, like lined up and go straight to the to the armor. There was an Amtrak. It's like an armor personnel carrier, and they put us in there and they drove us out. And what's going mind right now? I mean, I'm, you're, I'm listening to you, and my heart is like, it paused. But what's going through your mind? Um, I, like, I, I was happy, I was excited, but at the same time, adrenaline kicks in for some reason. It's just naturally, like your body just adrenaline kicks in. And I'm thinking, because as soon as I came out of that house, there was Marines everywhere. They had blocked the whole neighborhood. Or every street or every corner of every street, it was blocked by 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 a tank or or a Humvee with with Marines on top. There was Marines on top of the roofs. There were snipers. There were like these guys were pulling security, you know, to make sure that we don't get get killed by the I guess by the enemy. But I didn't know there was. I mean, I didn't know anything. So I went I went out. I saw these Marines. Everywhere I saw Mar Marines taking photos of us and I was excited at the same time, but at the same time I was like worried. I was like, okay, I, I, I just hope there was no enemy around the area and then we're gonna get involved in, in the fight. But luckily there wasn't. So they drove us to some area in the armor, in the Amtrak. We got to the Amtrak, uh, we got to that place. It was a school, it was, a, it was like a school. It was like a little school where the Marines were using for uh, like a gathering, like a headquarters. The colonel was there. It was a colonel there. That colonel, we became good friends. Like all of us with him, he became a general later on. But he was talking to us, oh, you guys going to go home? Like you guys are safe now. Everything's going to be fine. You know, they were telling us all these good news, right? That we're, we're, we're going to be fine. They're, they're going to they're gonna fly us out as soon as the helicopter arrives. They took us to where the helicopter landed. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a, a Black Hawk. They put us in the, in the, in the, in inside the helicopter, and we took off. But as soon as we took off, I guess the enemy, the enemy was still there. The enemy was there. They found out the Marines were there. They started like they started. There was a fight while we were in flight. 
we could hear rounds going off underneath, like there was a fight, you know, in, in land. So as wow. a helicopter is flying out, I, we, we could see the, the, the gunners fighting, like shooting at the ground, <laughs> shooting wow. at the ground and we were flying out. Like we were like hauling us out of there. And I remember thinking, oh man, I just, I hope I get out of here safe. I hope the helicopter doesn't get shot down. And luckily we You're did. You're that close. You're that close. And then something happens at the end. Wow. <laughs> yes. And then you like, go, you go, you, where do you land? You go we, to an airport, we, they bring you straight home. Where, where do you go? We land, I guess, outside. We're, by this time, we're in the middle of the desert. I guess outside the, the city, the right? The danger zone. Yeah, the danger zone. We land in, in the middle of nowhere, and there was a Chinook waiting for us, another helicopter waiting for us. But by this time, we got out of the Black Hawk, we went into the Chinook, and there were like tons of reporters, like a lot of reporters there on the Chinook, just taking photos and make, you know, recording with their cameras. And, and then we, we, went on, we went inside the Chinook and did, some reporters went inside and then we, we flew out and these reporters that were asking, while well, we were in flight, these reporters were asking, we were being interviewed by these reporters. We flew to Kuwait, to, uh, to Kuwait Hospital. And that's when they took us. Yeah, you know, finally we got to the, we got to a hospital, we got medic, medical aid and they gave us food. And I remember thinking, what do you guys want? What do you guys want for food? And they took us to, like, they had, I guess they were prepared that, that we were going to get there because we are, they already had meals prepared for us, just for us. But it was what all healthy. What did you ask for? Huh? Did they tell you, like, what do you want? What did you ask for? What were you crazy? Yeah. And, and uh, this whole time that we were in prison, a lot of times we would, the Iraqis, they would feed us chicken and rice, chicken and rice. That was, that's when they gave us, like actual food. So when we got to the to the hospital, they had chicken, they had healthy food, they had rice. You know, it was like like healthy food. I'm like, uh, is there any burgers? <laughs> we asked for burgers and, and there was an Iraqi, I mean uh, Kuwaiti soldier. He's like, oh don't don't worry, I'll I'll get you, I'll get you Burger King. And he went, <laughs> I know I, we shouldn't be picky with food, right? But we just asked for burgers that 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 time the and burger king it was yeah the one of the kuwaiti soldiers they they brought they he brought he went and bought uh burger king <laughs> and uh, we ate burgers with a coke oh man it was it was good i, I do we just felt so comfortable that we asked i mean they asked us we like is there any burgers no like now, are, there americans there? are there americans there you knew like you were safe like you were out of the war zone yeah, this this Kuwaiti hospital. It was a Kuwaiti hospital, but there was Americans. There was American soldiers, and there was a, a, a Kuwaiti military. So we, we were friends with the Kuwaiti uh, military. So, so yeah, we knew that we were safe, and we and and to get to the Kuwaiti hospital, we flew for hours in the Chinook. So yeah, like we definitely we were away from the war zone. So, at what time do you say I want to go home? Does my mom know? Does my dad know? Does my family know? I mean, everybody. I mean, what do you want to call the wife, the kids? Yeah. Um, at what time at, at this point do you say, can I have a phone? Can I call home? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was at the end of the day. Uh, well, it was a few hours past. Well, I, I don't know. Was it, it before was, or after the burger? 
No, it was after. Because first we ate, then the, the we went through doc like the doctors, they they checked they checked us, make sure we were fine, that we were doing fine. And so there was a, a, a we went through the process, you know, before they offered a, a phone a phone call. And and um that that the end, like when we were done with all this, they told us, okay, guys, like you know, you guys, we're gonna give you a phone call where you can call home. And wow. that's yeah. And um but I think everything was arranged because I did not call home. It was a phone call that my mom made that I picked I picked up the the phone, the the phone and and uh, it was my mom called. It was you know everything oh, so was the party called her and it was ready for you to to wow. Yeah. yeah so and, tell me tell me about that phone call. Can you describe the phone call? I'm sure you remember it. Yeah, it, it was an emotional phone call. My mom started crying. Uh, I told her I was I told her that I was fine. She's like, are you sure? I, everything okay? She, she, I told her, yes, I'm fine. I'm doing good. I, I mean, everything's fine. Uh, I told her what happened, that I, I got shot, but I was fine, that not to worry. And, and she was crying. I became emotional, too. And uh, we were both crying over the phone. <laughs> yeah, it, it was... It was a good feeling to finally, you know, talking to my mom, and I'm sure my mom felt the same way. Wow. And I talked to my brothers, I talked to my dad, you know, everybody was there present uh, during that phone call. So, it, man, it was wow. it was it was a good feeling. Wow! Thank God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. at what point do you realize? Did it kick in once you were back here? Like, did you come home home or you went back to the base? Where did you go? No, I, I went to the base. I went back to Fort Bliss. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, they did like a whole ceremony. They, 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 they flew my parents, my whole family to Fort Bliss. Uh, that's where I met my parents. They were, you know, when the military airplane landed at Fort Bliss, there was a big welcome. There was hundreds of people from El Paso. It was, it was family members and just other, you know, most of them were family members from other, you know, and uh, but there was also people. There was hundreds of people. There was some. Is this the plane that has you guys, or the plane that was already coming with your family? No, it was a plane that that had us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it it came out of the news. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like when the airplane landed. Um, it came out of the news where my friend um, he went up on the airplane while he was he was uh, landing, not in full speed, but when he was already like looking for us, like a to place to, to stop. yeah to place to land or yeah to stop. My friend came came out through on the roof. There's a little opening and he put the flag and he he wow. was waving the flag while the airplane was still moving. Wow. Yeah, and uh, they opened the ramp. We came out and it was hundreds of people, lots of reporters. You know, everyone was taking everyone was taking photos. <clears throat> we, uh, my, I met my parents right there as soon as the ramp opened, and we we hugged, we cried, and yeah, yeah, I that remember, was. So. I remember a, a picture on the newspaper with your you hugging your dad. Yeah, so it was a big welcome. It was I was hugging, you know, my family, and they were crying. And so at, at that point, when did it hit, or when did it come to realize, you know what, it's sunk in that I'm safe, I'm home, I'm safe. 
it was a nightmare. It was this, I could have died, but I'm home, I'm safe. Like, at what point? Um, well, when I, when I arrived to the Kuwaiti hospital, I, was, I felt safe. I felt like, okay, you know what? Nothing's gonna, bad is gonna happen from now on. Iraq is miles and miles away from Kuwait. Um, we're far away from the war zone. Everything's gonna be fine. From Kuwait, we flew to Germany. In Germany, we spent about a week in Germany and um, the, everybody treated us really, really good. We, we, uh, we went through a lot of medical checkups those days, but at the same time we went sightseeing. The, whoever was in charge of us, we, we went in, in a group. We went with other soldiers or other military members from the Air Force, Army, whatever, and, and they took us sightseeing. We went to, to different places in Germany. It was like a little mini vacations in those three or four days that we were in Germany. Wow. So from there, everything was just like good. It was a good feeling to finally be safe. When I, when I arrived to Fort Bliss, I was finally back in the States. I felt like, okay, I'm back home. You know, I, I felt like I finally am back home, you know, because I was stationed in Fort Bliss for like three and a half years. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 to me, that was, that was, that oh, was yeah, home. I was home. But not until I went, I came to the Valley, you know, because I spent at Fort Bliss two weeks. And then after those two weeks, I, I, I ride to the valley. That's when I'm like, okay, this is my hometown now. When I ride to the valley, I don't know, I don't know if you remember that, but they also made it a welcome home also, like a big welcome home. The, the Miller Airport was, there was full of I people. Think that's was, the picture. I think that's the picture that I remember. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of people there at the, at the airport. They did a ceremony at the airport. I remember when, on our way to the valley, the, the pilot, because it was a commercial airplane, the pilot mentioned to everyone, hey, uh, I just want to welcome home a former POW that he, <clears throat> that he just got back from Iraq. So everyone, all the passengers started clapping. I was wearing my, my Class A uniform with all my ribbons because they told me, hey, when you get, when you get to the valley, there's going to be a big ceremony, wear a uniform. So I was wearing my uniform. So everyone in the airplane was clapping and everybody was cheering me up and oh man, it was, it was wow. a good feeling. Yeah. So when I landed to the airport uh, and I went to the, I guess the inside the airport, there was crowds of people, you know, chant, you know, calling, chanting my name, holding signs, welcome back, get a girl. And uh, everybody was shaking my hand. And I think they, they did a big ceremony there. I think there was the mayors of some, uh, I guess, some cities, Alton, McCallum. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. And uh, yeah, and they. It, and it was you're, a big still, you're still 21, right? At this time, it all yeah. happened. You go and come back and you're 21. Wow. What a story. What a story of uh, what you went through. You know, the whole 21, since like 21 days, oh, just three weeks. But I bet, I don't know, it must been months that seemed like that the days were a lot longer than they were yeah it was the longest three weeks of my life <laughs> i bet wow so now it's been 20 years yes 20, 20 years. years 20 years uh, you know uh, just 9-11 uh, was just the other day but 
what can you share with the, everybody listening now? What can you share looking back on that experience? I mean, I don't know if you bump into people on everyday life or people that you bump into, but when they ask you about that experience or I'm asking you now, what can you share 20 years now about that experience? And now we heard the story, the days building up to that, how you came back, you had the welcome parade. What can you share? Um, specifically, I mean, um, <clears throat> I would just, I just like to say that, you know what, um, I serve my country proud, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed of anything. I, I'm proud of what I did. You know, if I, if I had a chance to do it, believe it or not, I would do it again. Um, I went through hard times because, because right after 9-11, I mean, you know, like our nation was in wars, but about for 20 years, we were at war. So the whole time that I was in the military, we were at war. So like, I feel proud. I, now that the war is over, you know, I know a lot of these young kids, this new generation, they don't know anything because they were, I mean, they don't remember anything because they were little kids at that time. Maybe they're teaching this in the history class, you know, or documentaries, but <clears throat> we went through a lot of hard times, you know. We went through a lot of hard times. Our nation went through hard times. Um, you know, I, you know. I mean, politics is different, you know. But for me, as a young soldier, you know, I I I served my country. I almost died serving my country, and I'm just happy that I'm I'm alive. I I, I was able to survive something major, like ma major event. You know, a lot of my friends did not make it home. And uh, I'm happy, you know, like, and I just hope that this new, this new generation, they can appreciate, you know, because from now on, you know, all these kids are not, they didn't, they didn't live through 9-11. They did not live through all these wars. And I'm sure most of them, they don't really care about politics or what's going on, but I just want them to know that, you know what, I appreciate that, that you guys have it easy now. You know, our generation was not the same as the new generation now. My young years were like conflict, you know, it was a lot of conflict. I, I, at a young age, like I was already going through a lot of deaths and life, you know, situations. But like like my kids, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my kids. Like I'm glad my kids are now, they're gonna live, you know, in a free country and, you know, they they don't have to worry about anything else. You know, they have. Can to, you can you say how many children you have? I have two boys, thirteen and ten. I don't mention them, what I went through. Um, they don't know like, your story. They don't know my stories, like 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 in uh, specifics, but they know like that right I was now the, the story that you just shared with us. They kind of don't know a lot of details. Yeah, right? no, they don't know any specific detail. Like 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 you I don't want to you you don't want to share with them. Not not yet because they're yeah not yet. But eventually, I am gonna tell them because right now they're just little kids. They, Would you encourage them to follow your footsteps or not? Like in the army uh, or the military. If they, if they do, if they do decide to join the military, I'll I'll support their decisions. I will I will tell them, you know what, it's a good idea. I'm not gonna say it's it's a bad choice, because 
I don't regret my choice. I, I, I met, the, I, I made the best decision of my life up until now. I don't regret making the decision, even though, you know, the things that I went through. So I'm not going to tell them, no, it's, it's a bad choice. I'm, I'm not like, I'm going to support them if they decide to join the military. Um, well, thank, you. <clears throat> thank you for your service. Thank you for, for what you did and, and thank, you know, everybody out there who has served our country, but I'm going to ask you, I guess, uh, another, I know I said, what would you say, but what life advice can you provide to those listening, not necessarily young ones, but just life advice? Um, <clears throat> just uh, in general, I would say, you know, just um, whatever goals, like, like when it comes to goals or in life, just do it, you know, just whatever goals you have, just focus on those goals. Like me, I had made the decision from before, before high school that I was going to join the army, that I was going to be a cop one day. So I had, I had everything, I had everything planned out. So like these new kids that they don't know what to do yet in their lives, I would tell them, you know, take life serious, you know, choose or decide what you're going to do because right after high school, that's when everything starts. Like your life, this, you're going to have to make life decisions, you know? And I would tell them, and my advice is for them to, to decide early what they're going to do. And if you decide what to do, just stick to it. And everything is possible. Um, like the kids doing like bad things, just don't waste your time breaking the laws. Don't break your, don't break your, don't waste your time doing drugs, getting into trouble, getting arrested because you're just wasting your life. You know, life is so precious. We don't know when our time is gonna come, you know? So just, just make it worth it, you know, make, make life worth it, you know, because we just, we need to be grateful and appreciate every day that we're alive, you know? And, and um, it's like, um, just, you know, just don't waste your life because like me, like that time, March 23rd was not my day to die you know it was not my time so now i think you know what i'm gonna do everything my best you know in life for my kids you know my kids come first right now i accomplish all my goals like i ever i did everything that i wanted in life i already accomplished them you know because i learned that in life at an early age at 21 that you know what i'm, I'm just not gonna waste my life like every day counts so that's what i that's people. That's my advice to young people, you know. Thank you. Thank you. And wow. Now that I'm a police officer, like I'm, I'm at work, I see all these things. I see kids, you know, they're lost in trouble, like in their lives, doing drugs and get, getting overdose because all they want is, you know, they have that. They want to have that high, like no, like that. Is, there's more than life to that. You know? It's hard to explain. I mean, these people are really, really in trouble with drugs. It's, I just hope that one day they realize or something in their mind clicks, can click and say, you know what, I'm done with drugs. I'm going to do, from now on, I'm going to do everything good that is good for me and good for my loved ones. Thank you. you. Know? I, th I think uh, you said one day it clicks. And I think everybody, everybody has a different timeline. I know I mentor a lot of different age groups and it's just that, you know, I always say don't compare yourself to anybody else. 
And yes, everybody has at a different level, the, the aha moment, right? The, when the light bulb clicks and say, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm going to do this with my life. But thank you. Now you gave that advice. I feel like a, like an officer, like a police officer. What advice can you give as a dad to those listening? As a, as a dad? Said, yeah, you said you're a dad of two boys. What advice can you give out there as a father? As a father, um, <clears throat> Don't I uh, like let's like with me, my personally, like I love my kids. My kids, they're they're like the number one in my life. You know, I wanna enjoy everything, all my my time for them. I wanna dedicate my time with them. I know they're not with me every day, but they're with me every other weekend. And I don't miss that. Like I don't I, I try not to miss every other week, like the time that I'm with them. When, I, when I'm with them, I try to enjoy as much as possible. Like, I want to spend quality time with my kids. You know, and I know my kids love me. Like, I love them to death and they love, they love me. My job could be dangerous sometimes, but I try to think about it. I try to take care of myself physically, emotionally. You know, even though all, this, all the things that I went through, it's not going to affect my life. I try to live a normal life because... My kids, they depend on me. You know, I'm a role model for them. The example that I'm going to give my kids, you know, is going to determine how they're going to live their lives. You know what I mean? So I want to be a good example for my kids. So that's why I don't let none of this affect my, my, me mentally, emotionally. Now, what, what helps you, though? Because, I mean, you hear stories of soldiers that have been just gone to war. Maybe they have not been prisoners of war maybe have not had dramatic experience like you had. But I mean, I'm listening to you. You're like, oh yeah, I have my goals. I got this. I'm going to be a role model and I'm a cop and da, 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 da. But if I'm listening to you now, I've been in war. How can I say what's so easy for you, Edgar? But what helped you? What, how can you say that now after you've been through everything that you went through? Yeah, I've seen a lot of my friends that when they came back, they, they were not the same. A lot of my friends already passed away. <clears throat> they already they already passed away this couple of years. Um, they're no longer with 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 me. They're with us. Um, a lot of my friends they became uh, mentally ill. They 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 suffer from PTSD like really bad. A lot mm -hmm. of them they take medications for that. You know I had my a PTSD at first, but you know and I didn't want no medication. Like I. I don't want any medication at all. I don't want to be medicated, you know? I try to live a normal life. What helps me a lot was that I'm grateful that I'm alive. I'm grateful to God that he gave me an opportunity for me to live. So I'm not, I'm not gonna waste that. Like, I'm not gonna turn myself into drugs. I'm not gonna get all depressed. Like, even though it's hard and some veterans, they cope in a different way. But for me, what has helped me is that God, like I'm grateful that God gave me an opportunity. So I'm not gonna waste that anymore. Like I'm not, I'm I'm not gonna waste that by getting depressed, getting, you know, having this like I, I, like you know what I mean, like sad, yeah. just by being sad, mm -hmm. just by being there and just you know, ask for medications. Like, no, like I'm not like I'm gonna live a normal life because I feel like God gave me a second opportunity. Thank you. And I, I just want to live a normal life, a lot of a lot of my friends, they decide not to work. But what has helped me is that I'm a police officer. I keep myself busy. You know, I, I keep I keep myself going. You know, I'm, I'm I, I love going to the gym. I like I like to stay fit. 
So all that, I'm just, you know, I'm doing it because I like it. Like, you know, I'm taking care of myself uh, physically and emotionally. Um, and I just want to live a normal life. You know, a lot of, a lot of times I don't talk about this. I don't know, but a lot of people don't even know who I, what I went through. Mm-hmm. You know, only people that knows that, that knew me before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, my my situation, but wow. Well, thank you. I know it sounds like all this is a totally whole different interview. So hopefully later you come again, and we'll have it. A, a, how you cope with it? How you did? Don't let that emotion or don't let those experiences that you lived when you were young affect you. And how you cope? And you say you work out. You say your faith. You say having a grateful heart. And that's the key. One of the things that I, again, when I give one, some of the, my speeches is like, when you have a grateful heart, it changes your point of view of everything. I mean, you see how, you know, waking up is a blessing. You see how uh, your kids, you, you, your family, having a place to live and just being grateful. So that, that's the big difference. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Having a grateful heart. And you say that you are aware that God gave you another chance. So thank you. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> well, do you want to end with anything? Do you want to share anything else with us? Thank you for the opportunity to be on this uh, interview. Whoever watches this, I mean, I, I, I hope they can learn something from, from my story. And, you know, they don't know, they don't necessarily have to go through a dramatic event to change their mindset in a positive way. But, I mean, just by hearing my story, hopefully they can, if they're going through hard times, I just wanted to know that, you know what, uh, there's always hope. There's always hope to be happy and to, to live life, you know, yes. in, in, in a positive way, you know. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much because we're going to have a lot of people listening to it. And again, I'm going to get back with you later, hopefully, so we can do a second part of how you cope with it. And again, being a dad and having that dramatic experience, how uh, that affects you in a positive way or a negative way. So thank you so much. And um, I, I know that there's great things. I know there's great things for out there, not just you, but everybody listening. Uh, there's a purpose. You mentioned earlier that it was not your time. It was not your time. And it's true. You know, God knows. I mean, that's my belief that God knows when you're born and when you're dying and when you, your last breath is going to be. And in between there, we need to make sure that we're doing what our purpose is in here. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you.